and direct mail has always been measurable. It was, it was the probably the first measurable um, direct response channel, um, but it's not always been easy or and the data has not always been clean. And so you put those three things together, execution, the you know, delivery and deployment, and the measurement, and you make it really simple, and all of a sudden magical things can can happen in this this channel. Hey, welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I am so excited to share today's interview with Dave Fink. If you are at all interested in marketing, then you will consider this something of a masterclass. Dave has not only 20 years of experience in the field, but gives really good frameworks and definitions for both direct response marketing and specifically direct mail, where his latest startup, Posty, is focused. We talk all about A-B testing, branding, and a whole lot more. I think you're going to like it. Here is Dave Fink. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. So Dave, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh yeah, I've been looking forward to it. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. So I want to get to uh, relatively basic definitions on the board first. And then I think that'll be a really good foundation for us to kind of build up into the rest of the conversation. Um, before we talk about the direct mail industry, I think it's important even more generally to explain direct response marketing as, you know, one of the genres under the enormous umbrella that is marketing that could be, you know, brand marketing or all these other types of marketing that gets done, direct response marketing. Can you explain what that is and the, the role that it plays within a, a larger marketing strategy for a company? Sure. No, that's a, a phenomenal place to, to start. And, and I think on a day-to-day basis, oftentimes, you know, us marketers, you know, we kind of lose the the forest through the trees. Um, so kind of you know, break, breaking that down and and thinking about kind of two big camps of, of marketing you know elements that that we're touching on a daily basis. I would I would just break it down into into two buckets. There is marketing that is measurable, which I would put into the core definition of direct response. You can actually um, you know measure the efficacy of uh, your your marketing dollars or, or the effort that you're putting into your marketing, and then everything else that is uh, can be incredibly impactful, incredibly valuable. Certainly, the kind of the things we think about as as brand building. Um, but that are not directly measurable would fall outside of direct re- direct response. I, I think that's the the most kind of honest and, and simple way to think about um, the differentiation. And that's the type of when you say measurable that leads downstream to different sort of metrics by which either the marketers evaluated or they're just you know evaluating themselves. Something like ROAS and these other metrics that actually say, hey, a dollar in turns into X. That's exactly right. The, the 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 idea is with direct response, you have some level of, of of predictability. So while you know with with brand building and storytelling, it's it has to be a little bit of a leap of faith. You have to internalize it. You have to believe in your story. You have to lean in. You have to tell that story over and over again. Figure out ways to amplify it. With direct response, you're going in with a hypothesis around if I take this action and apply this budget against this action. Will I get a positive outcome? Meaning, will I get more in revenue or more in some measurable action that's important to my business back? And and then therefore, can I can I rinse and repeat that over and over again on my path to to whether it's um, you know generating more growth or 
um, you know, finding new customers, um, amplification of my brand story, et cetera. Right. And then, so we're slicing marketing one way between, you know, the measurable and the unmeasurable. And then the other way to slice it is in all the different forms of media that one could consume marketing. So maybe, you know, the platform du jour TikTok is, is where, you know, some people's eyes go, the old reliable of television, radio, very conventionally through, you know, decades and decades in between that Facebook, YouTube, email newsletters, but direct mail really supersedes all of that, correct? It, it does. And uh, our, uh, Eric, our, our head of marketing, after um, coming on board a, a while ago and doing um, you know, a whole bunch of, of research, uh, brought an interesting fact back to me that I, I, I was lost on. I, I hadn't, hadn't even thought about it, but that, that direct, direct mail uh, arguably is the oldest media channel. In, in history, which is, is cool to think about. And um, it, it's bigger than ever before. It's a monstrous $40 billion um, you know, uh, advertising channel just here in the US alone. And, uh, and, and we like to think you know, um, that, that it, it's, it's not because it's the easiest channel to, to execute with, but it is extremely performant and valuable um, to those marketers that embrace it. Can you elaborate on it being bigger than ever? That kind of surprises me to hear. Yeah, I mean, look, part of it is that that you know, when when you look at all dollars going into the channel, costs have just increased. There's been inflation across marketing in general. The cost of a stamp, um, what it takes to get a, a piece of mail, you know, to someone, um, is is more expensive. Paper costs have, have gone up a little bit as well. Um, but um, but the the industry has been has been growing little by little. Um, you know, not necessarily always by volume. Um, but certainly by budgets going in. So you know, this year's you know, projected or forecasted direct, um, you know, direct mail marketing budget is, is, will be the biggest um, uh, in history. Wow. So tell me about the role that Posty plays in that context. So I, I, to take a step, step back, um, I think... What, what's maybe most refreshing about Posty is really our, you know, the, the, both the founding team and really the, 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 the core Posty, you know, team's background um, is, is not um, one that, that goes back um, through years and years and years of traditional direct mail. Um, you know, we got our, our career, you know, we started our careers in the digital age. Most of us have spent the majority of our careers building and exploring um, direct response channels that that have uh, emerged out of digital, and and we brought that kind of that DNA to the direct mail space, which is um, again highly impactful, reaches everyone with a, an address in the entire U.S. Um, and and just uh, historically hadn't seen the same level of innovation and investment in in change or disruption or evolution that that digital channels have. And so at its core, you know, Posty's mission was, hey, there's this amazing, um, you, know, uh, you know, channel that allows brands to engage in a very impactful way with their existing customers, with prospect new customers, um, with lapsed customers they haven't seen in a while. Uh, but there, it's, it's a fairly limited channel in, in you know, in uh, execution compared to channels like social, search, programmatic. Um, and and kind of our differentiation is we we looked around and said, hey, you know, w- what if we built out the technology platform that would allow marketers engaging in, in direct mail to have the same tool set 
that they have on a Facebook, on a Google, on the trade desk, et cetera. So it, it would, another way to say that basically be a modern, you know, digital database for tracking outcomes and a, a kind of more sophisticated campaign planner tied to that, you know, very old, well-established medium for these types of campaigns. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. We, we would we would um, kind of describe it more as a holistic channel management platform. So uh, the kind of three, I think, uh, tent poles that, that we build technology in and focus in and, and excelling in and providing tools to advertisers in are the executional component. So this is, you know, despite all the technology and automation that we're bringing to the channel, every time an advertiser launches a campaign, it's actually being manufactured. There are printing presses that are, um, you know, printing miles and miles of, of, you know, postcards and letters and catalogs. Um, there's, there are cutting machines, there are bundling machines, and then there's complex logistics. If you think about the magnitude of what the U S postal service has to do in a daily basis in order to, deploy, you know, to, to deploy, you know, tens of millions of, of pieces of mail in, in a typical, you know, day, week, month, um, you know, that, that, that gets very complicated and clunky. So, so that's, that's piece one. And that's comparable to in your digital channels, the fact that you go to Facebook and you upload creative and you don't think about all of, um, the technology that's going on to serve that ad to the right person at the right time or the computing power. So we're handling all of that. Um, yeah, the, the second you know uh, component is really kind of what you talked about around campaign management. So it's it's how do we bring data um, to to the channel um, so that uh, that advertisers can do um, you know complex things with their own first party data and identify those individuals most likely to to be um, you know uh, brand enthusiasts or engage with their marketing message. And then third piece you also touch on, which is the measurement piece. So how do you know what you're doing is effective? Um, and direct mail has always been measurable. It was, it was the probably the first measurable uh, direct response channel, um, but it's not always been easy or and the data has not always been clean. And so you put those three things together, execution, the you know, delivery and deployment, and the measurement, and you make it really simple. And all of a sudden, magical things can, can happen in this, this channel. So what kind of companies are you looking to sell this into? Are you looking to basically pair up with agencies who will, you know, make this part of a plan that they're selling into a large corporation? Are you trying to go, you know, directly into SMBs or mid-sized businesses? Because something like a generalized marketing tool, it's very easy for the aperture to be super wide, but there's probably at least some degree a narrowing of focus either because this is where our solutions most efficacious for, or hopefully there's like a Venn diagram where these overlap. These are the folks with the budgets and the willingness to experiment and buy something like this. It's another great question. And, and certainly as an entrepreneur, it's, it's easy to look at every potential use case and need in the market and want to provide a solution for it. And I certainly find myself, you know, feeling those desires. I think as I've got a little bit older and, and maybe a little bit of gray hair, I've, I've, developed a bit of self-restraint um, and, and now running a successful company, it's more important than ever to make you know, wise decisions. Um, we focus um, pretty much in any, um, in any uh, um, you know, uh, co uh, company space outside of SMB. So the breadth of companies that we work with are 
uh, you know, high series seed and series A funded direct consumer brands, um, typically 10, 20, $30 million run rates, all the way up to fortune 40 companies. In, in each case, the, the commonality is that the, the advertising team, even if it's a team of two or three people, is sophisticated and is thinking in a very quantitative way and looking to do complicated things in order to kind of win in, the, in their space um, because of the sophistication and success of their marketing. Gotcha. And I have to, so the other thing that I was thinking about coming into this interview was, you know, my wife and I, we've gotten different direct mailings from I don't even know if you call them like startups anymore, but they're, they're, they're newer companies like HelloFresh, um, I think Netflix, like some of these companies that you, you could almost imagine in your head, like a stair step of what their marketing spends have been. So maybe in the earliest days, it was just pure, you know, hustle, spit, you know, slapping stuff up on uh, forums, and then maybe a little bit of SEO or a little bit of like whatever the kind of initial spend, maybe Facebook ads. And then as these companies grow larger, their challenges are number one, at a certain threshold, eventually their spend on a platform just decreases in its efficacy, right? The, you know, people talk about like hitting that wall with you know, maybe Facebook spend or some of these other platforms, but there's also a degree to which they want to reach the people that are not, not everyone is on Facebook, although there's 2 billion people there, not everyone on is on Snapchat or one of these other platforms. So they end up at, you know, billboards, direct mail, TV, because those are still at the far end of the spectrum where distribution is the greatest. Yeah, man, you are, you are touching on, um, on a, a thesis here in, in, in marketing and, and I could go way down the rabbit hole. I'm going to try, um, but try not to, to, to digress too much, but two core topics that, that I'll touch on that, that, that you brought that, that I absolutely love and have believed in for years and years and years. One is, uh, you know, any brand that's been developed in the last 12 years or so has um, has kind of that's been successful, kind of found a lot of their success in the backs of Facebook and Facebook built a monster ad platform um, of magnitude that the world had never seen. Lots of sophistication. They made us all look like brilliant data scientists leveraging uh, their investment in data and predictive modeling. And we've all um, you know, touched their lookalike campaigns, et cetera. But there is this, uh, this what, what I call these like concentric circles that look a lot like a, like a, 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 a bullseye target where when we're launching our business for the first time, Facebook gives us the tools to be really focused at and, and really kind of um, you know shooting bullseye after bullseye after bullseye. They give us the tools to get the right message to those you know, prospect customers that are that are early adopters that are going to be commission driven, going to buy into, um, you know, our brand position, and they typically have really high conversion rates, and they have high expected lifetime value. How much money or or, or investment they'll they'll return back to that company by being a loyal customer, and 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 then you tap out there, and so um, you know you move to the next concentric circle. And you find customers that are a little less motivated to discover you. Maybe you've had to convince them a little bit. Their conversion rate's a little bit higher. They have a little lower expected lifetime value, still profitable. Then, you know, you, you hit that, you know, kind of that ceiling and you, you go to the third ring. And over time, what you find is that you never reach profitability because you're always having to pay more um, to reach, you know, more new customers that perform a little bit worse. And so at some point, 
um, your marketing stack needs to evolve into an omni-channel approach. And uh, and for each brand, you know, the next channel you can move to might be slightly different. Depends on the vertical, the you know, who your target audience is. Each of the channels offer you know value, and the biggest businesses in the world are are typically playing in all of them. For for maturing companies or companies that are are, are quantitative, they they want to stay with a lot of their budget in measurable channels, direct response channels. We talked about early on, and in the digital world, almost everything's me- measurable. Not all channels perform as well as you know Facebook can or Google can, but they're all measurable. In the offline world, there are very few channels that are directly measurable. TV's getting there now with CTV and, and ATV. But direct mail has always been measurable. It's just been a matter of understanding how to make it measurable and making sure that the way that you can measure aligns with the way that you're measuring other channels. And I think that's, you know, that, that is, um, you know, something that we see day in, day out, kind of the excitement on a marketer's face, you know, in that exact camp that you, that you talked about, an emerging brand who maybe become a little too saturated on Facebook. Um, they're maxing out what they can do in search. And they've heard that direct mail is a powerful channel, but they've been scared off by it. And all of a sudden they, they realize that this is a channel that actually can be um, you know, managed just as, as seamlessly and measured just as accurately as, as their digital channels. So you talked a little bit about the size of these businesses. Can you talk at all about industries where you see, you reference like the higher LTV as being a part of it. Um, but, uh, you know, a thing that another thing I was reflecting on before this call, um, was, uh, my wife and I re- moved recently and, um, you know, we just got absolutely hammered with deals, whether it's you know, related to home warranties or shopping at home Depot, or, you know, all these different, uh, things that come along with a move that you're otherwise not considering. And I, I shudder to think who it was that, you know, sold all my data so that that would be apparent to all these different brands. Um, but you know, outside of people moving, are there, you know, either, either moments or industries that you really think it's just like, if you're not using direct mail, you're being negligent. Uh, well, look, the, the, you know, I, I live and breathe this channel day in, day out. So of course I think that any advertiser that's not investing in this channel is, is being negligent. Um, the, the reality is, I, I don't know that it's so much um, negligence, I think it's it's more a matter of like el- eliminating the fear of this being direct mail of 30 years ago. And and in many ways, not even thinking about it as, as the channel, but um, you asked about agencies. One, one of the things that we love about working with the big agency holding companies is they take an audience first approach, right? They, they talk about things like uh, addressable media. And, and what they, they mean by that is, you know, if you go into um, you know your company building uh, you know exercise you know really thinking about you know like I'll, I'll digress into just startups and and disruptive business in general but um, you know trying to solve a problem for a certain customer a certain set of customers then you know just by I think um, just natural um, fit you, you then have a pretty good idea of who your audience is. And digital channels and, and, the, and the data that comes with you know, measurement allows you as an advertiser now more than ever to, to really think about your marketing efforts as you know, part storytelling, but then with the amplification, direct response, the paid media side of things, really think about it as an addressable mission. It's how do we reach the customers that, are, that we believe are most interested in 
um, you know, discovering our product or service across the, the most relevant channels. Where are they spending time? How do I reach them? Sometimes you're looking for a more fickle, light engagement like a newsfeed ad on a social platform. Other times you want something more weighty like a billboard, a TV spot, or a piece of direct mail. So I don't think it's about like, um, I mean, to be fair, it's probably not negligent, but it's most companies these days are being, you know, their marketing teams are being led um, at, at a minimum 50-50 by brand and by, you know, quant. Um, arguably, in, in probably the brands that are, are doing it best, they're leaning more towards the quant side, leveraging data to help them make informed decisions. And then if they're, if, if they are of a mindset of, of leading with data, then they have to um, hone in on and focus on the channels that are most big and scalable and that provide the tools to be able to execute that, that addressable strategy. And, and direct mail is the biggest, it's bigger, it has bigger reach than Facebook here in the US. It has bigger reach than Google. You know, Google, you're waiting for intent and there are still individuals that have addresses that are reachable through direct mail that are not on Google. Um, they're choosing other other browsers. It's a small um, you know, percentage, but it, but it is. Um, same thing on Facebook. There are there are customers out there that are just not spending time on Facebook or Instagram right now, but that you can reach uh, in the comfort of their own home. And, and direct mail is, is a channel that, that always gives you that opportunity. Yeah, there's not really like an ad blocker for direct mail the same way. I, I've, I've got ad blockers on my browsers and all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Um, and and what we've you know found through you know usability um, studies uh, and and our own you know first party research is that the um, that that if you get a a well designed piece of mail um, from a brand that is well targeted um, to an, an individual that individual welcomes that that ad it doesn't feel invasive the way that uh, an unwanted email does or a retargeting banner that follows you on every site that, that you're on, you know, for the next week after researching a vehicle or, or a new blouse or a pair of flip-flops. Right. So I want to, this is going to be a, a bigger question. I'm going to preface it. I'm not in any way, shape or form accusing you of doing this. It's just a good okay. story that I'll never, I don't want to say never, likely we'll never have another chance to tell because this is our first direct mail oriented uh, podcast. So I had one of my favorite professors in college would talk about the very early days of financial advice. Think like, you know, 1920s before the great depression type of era and the way that uh, direct mail campaigns would work um, explicitly for financial like fraudsters and hucksters was they would go and, and print two sets of uh, postcards and one would say, I predict the market will go up. The other would say, I predict the market would go down. You send them out and then you have this list of who we said it would go up to, who would go down to, whatever it does, you then look at that remaining section, you cut it in half again, you make another prediction, whichever one's right, you cut it in half again, you make another prediction and you made these three predictions to some sub-segment of everyone that you mailed who literally just think that you are an absolute genius and then you sell them your reports predicting stuff in the future that is you know, now has to be forward looking as opposed to past tense looking. And to me, that just drove home the, the capacity to deceive with media, but also the power of A-B testing. And that's really what I was trying to get to with this question, as opposed to accusing you of doing anything like that. Can you talk about A-B testing in particular with these direct mail campaigns? Yes. Um, I'll speak to, I mean, I'm, 
I'm I'm laughing a little bit here. Um, you know, adding anybody that has been a consumer for you know for a while or who has been in advertising for a while knows that yeah that uh, direct mail isn't the only channel that that yeah bad characters of course have of course. Have, have you know behaved in we've in the, the digital world you know. Uh, we've all you know gotten sucked into the free trial offer and and um and then next thing we know our credit cards being built billed month over month over month um so look bad actors are bad actors and and um yeah they kind of spoil things for 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 the good actors um i can definitively say that those are not advertisers that we work with um uh those are not um new logos that that our executive team would approve coming on the platform um uh so uh, it's unfortunate that they're out there, but yes. So, so your point of being able to AB and multiply variant tests in a channel, I mean, that's a powerful, um, that's a powerful, uh, set of tools that, that direct mail had had well before the, the invention of the internet. Um, but the internet's mastered in many ways and has created a, a much deeper level of sophistication, not just in, in the, the complication around multivariate testing and how quickly you can test and learn your way through creative and audience segmentation, but um, the cleanliness on, 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 on measurement as well. And, and what I, you know, what I think um, we're seeing here in, in today's um, market is that you know, I think in, in the early days of the of the internet, the companies that that just purely out optimized oftentimes won and built business models. Those that I mean, there were days back in the early two thousands where where marketers, cloud marketers, were thinking more about you know the color of a CTA you know button on their website or the size of a font or how many characters in a row you should have in a headline than they were about more global things like, you know, the right story and um, and the value proposition that's most appropriate to different customer segments. Uh, I, if you look at the brands that have, have risen um, to success, you know, over the last 10 years or so, every one of them has an interesting story. Sometimes it's a founder story. Sometimes it's a, 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 a consumer pain point story. Sometimes it's a, a technology innovation story. I mean, yeah, they, you know, Teslas are amazing cars, but a lot of what we buy into is, is the story that, you know, that Elon has, has, you know, been out there, you know, um, you know, telling us time and time again, and we feel good about buying, you know, buying Teslas, not just thinking they look neat or they go fast or they, they handle well. Um, what A-B testing and, and multivariate testing allows for is, is once you kind of understand what your, your, your kind of authentic story and your brand messages, um, hopefully tied back to solving a pain point, um, big or small, um, then it can come down to, you know, it, it's hard to tell that story effectively. And, and so how, how quickly, how successfully, how accurately can we get messaging out into the world that's honest and truthful, but that may vary depending on who we're talking to or, um, or that just might help us um, shape the way that our story is landing. Um, and I think when you, when you combine kind of authentic brand and story, you know, brand building and storytelling with the ability to test and optimize where to find your customers on what channel with, you know, what messaging and what frequency, yeah, th that that is when um, when acceleration can happen within a brand, and 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 we've certainly seen it, you know, time and time again here. Whether it's the Lyft and Ubers and Airbnbs um, of the world.
Is there anything that you've seen, you know, on the back end of all these campaigns that are being run and the, the different multivariate testing, is there any trends that you see that, you know, if you were tasked with actually starting the direct mail campaign for some CPG brand, you would just come in knowing, you know, for example, I have a friend who, um, runs a, has run a lot of Instagram story ads. And the, the insight there is the overly produced stuff often underperforms the, you know, kind of average looking person, not the supermodel and doing it in the kind of raw selfie, you know, shot on a phone style video. Um, so is, are there any, I, I would almost, I would almost guess it's the exact opposite with direct mail, but you know, educate me in the audience. Uh, I love that you said that. Um, no, we 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 have found the complete opposite in many ways. Um, that is directly aligned with what's what's working in um, you know on social platforms and in digital. Um, you know why 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 do you, and and there's no right reason. I'm, I'm curious. You know you're 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 incredibly savvy. Um, why do you think that your friends brands um, who have tested more kind of raw. Um, you know, imagery and in, in Instagram feeds are finding more success from that than overdone, overproduced. So I think it's really just a factor of, you know, the, the arena in which you're occupying, right? If I'm at a Steelers game dressed in a suit, like a perfectly done suit, I look out of place. But if I'm also waving a terrible towel, then it's like, oh, you belong here. You're a part of this tribe and this experience. And so an Instagram story, if it's showing up in between, you know, my friend walking her dog and my other friend out to dinner, then if you're doing something just visually looks out of place, it identifies itself as being the other. Whereas I, I guess, I guess my, my, expectation with the direct mail is that because it's something physical and tangible, the, the precision, the qual, you know, the quality of the paper, those things are actually something that makes it stand out from say the penny saver or one of these other, you know, pulp paper type of, um, candidly things that I throw directly in the trash. <laughs> yeah. Um, th that's fascinating. That That's not what I, that's not what what my first hypothesis was, but I, I think there is brilliance in there. Um, and I, I actually, I'm taking notes here and I want to actually sit, sit down and wrestle with, 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 with your, your theory a little bit. Um, because I, I think there's, there's a lot of truth there. The, the, my, my initial, um, you know, response was going to be, I think it's just the authenticity and, and Instagram does give, um, us this, this kind of short bite size beautiful you know kind of canvas to to whether it's an image or or it's a short video um show uh show really authentic scenes and so you know i have my hobbies and obsessions these days it's it's wake surfing and guitar and my my you know my feeds are filled with you know with people playing you know amazing instruments and showing off cool licks um but really shot on their own on their iphone not big produced concerts and there are people, you know, oftentimes their ads um, from some of the big, you know, boat manufacturers are selling $250,000 boats, but, but it, it, it looks no different than when my buddy, you know, um, and I go out on, on, on one of our boats and, and, and shoot each other. And so to me, it feels authentic and organic and, and what's going on in that, that ad is much more important to me than, than was it produced right? Did they get the right filter, et cetera? In, in direct mail, you're right. And in a TV, I would say, is very similar to where they're weightier channels. There's thought that went 
you know, and premeditation that went into it. Um, sure, that happened in Instagram as well, but it doesn't, that's not the consumer expectation. Consumer feels like, oh, that probably was shot really quickly and just thrown up on, you know, their social page, which is probably not the case, probably was produced. Um, but I still think it's, uh, um, I mean, what we see day, day in, day out is, you know, um, to, to break it back into bring it back to something um, tangible that your audience can maybe gain benefit from in, in direct mail really is no different things that represent imagery that represents the brand lifestyle over just pure product um, you know, messaging and, um, and, and, you know, and storytelling, you know, copy that, that feels more authentic and less like a, a produced magazine ad um, almost always went up. Um, there's certainly exceptions to every rule, but, um, but we do try and keep our, our advertising design team thinking a, a lot more breezy. It is easier to A-B test right now. So we'll, we'll, one of the exercises that our, our client services team does with, with most of our brands is when they're doing some, some ideation and they're asking for, for help on, you know, what should the next creative panel be that we're going to test? We'll, we'll, we'll do a screen share and just pull up their Instagram account. And we'll say things like, look, look at, like, these are the highest engaged posts but look at your the direct mail ad that that you're looking to gain more performance from it looks nothing like this. Like let's build some creatives that look just like these top performing Instagram ads or Instagram, you know, organic posts. And and lo and behold, more times than not, those become winners. That makes sense. My other guess would have been just some super consistent owned color. Um, I know that's kind of more on like the brand side of things, but the thing that has just overwhelmed me, I I like I said, I just bought a house. Um, so I'm spending more time than I ever would have guessed at Home Depot. And you walk through the tool section and every single brand just owns a color. You don't think about that when you're like buying cars or other types of products, but it's like orange, rigid, uh, red, Milwaukee, yellow, DeWalt. Like you could run down the whole list of these different brands that just like we've planted our flag on this corner. And like, I can think of the hello fresh green in my, my head. I could probably picture like the Netflix red and black type of color scheme, but to some degree, like immediately visually identifying via a, a kind of consistent single color or, you know, two color arrangement would be up there. Yeah. Look, I mean, we'll have to, um, we'll have to, you know, schedule some follow-up conversations and just talk, talk marketing here, but uh, look, the, the what you're talking about is branding at, at its heart, right? You're talking about some of the most recognizable brands in the entire world, right? Whether it's digital like Netflix um, or or whether it's, you know, DeWalt or, you know, Milwaukee, like you said. Um, I think, and the Home Depot itself has a very specific orange. So interestingly, a little side note, um, it, it's very hard to print um, orange. Um, it's, it's not, it, it it's one of the hardest color palettes to, to print, um, uh, Interesting. new material. Um, so, the, the, but, but it's, it's, the, these are, it, it's very distinct and, and they've been committed to it in some of these cases. I'm not sure how old a brand, you know, um, you know, Milwaukee is or DeWalt. 70 or 80 years old. Something like yeah. That. These are, these are brands that three generations of, you know, families, you know, swore by, they, they relied on third-party distribution, which is different than in a D2C world. And so uh, a big part of their marketing was end cap and placement and um, signage in Home Depot's Lowe's, you know, true value. And so they, they, there were limited ways that they could control their messaging once it, it was put on the shelf of, of a Home Depot. And there's 
pay to play there and side and gen caps, things like that. But, but those defined brands certainly, you know, pop out. And, and when you get into the grocery world, it's a whole, you know, like, you know, that at a whole other level, you're talking about 52 cereal boxes on a shelf and, and, you know, and how they leverage, you know, that, that their branding. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say that like, by committing to colors just for your direct mail campaign will make your direct mail campaign better if sure. you're a brand that's invested in brand colors and and there's already an emotional attachment you certainly certainly shouldn't move away from those you should lean into that brand value that brand equity that you've already created in, in dm um, but i i think um I think that's a little bit different. I also think it's it's in competitive spaces. You like interestingly, you went to Netflix, right, for a defined color. Like, look, they, they're a brilliant company. They they saw the competitive landscape in streaming probably when they were still shipping DVDs before they were even doing streaming, right? Um, they've always been thinking four steps ahead, and so in, in those competitive spaces, drill bits, right, where it's like it, it's fairly undifferentiated. They're all probably manufactured in very similar factories, if not the same factory. Um, you know, using color as a, as part of that differentiating, um, uh, you know, immediate. Um, visual reaction or recognition is is probably incredibly important. I, I would think. I haven't done the research there, but um, I, these I love these topics. I mean, yeah. I could talk for hours. Me too. But uh, unfortunately, we do have to uh, <laughs> aim towards wrapping up before we ask our standard last questions. Dave, anything else you are hoping to share today that I just didn't give you the chance to? I, I don't. Think, I mean, we covered a, a lot here. It's certainly, we we do what we love. We've we, we've been marketers. And we've been we've been direct consumer brands that relied very heavily on marketing marketing our entire careers, and we're having a lot of fun, um, you know, building innovation in 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 this channel. And um, and if you're a marketer and you're thinking about, you know. Your how you're going to hit you know two years P, you know, down the road's PL, or you're you're so fixated on every single number. Um, I would say uh, I, I would just recommend you take a, a, a breath, take a step back, and look at the big p- picture, and and not lose sight of what you're trying to accomplish as a brand, as a new product launch, as a new division of a multi-billion-dollar conglomerate. Um, yeah, that, that's really what should drive your marketing. And then you can slide into, um, you know, the details of how you launch a brand or elevate a brand, how you leverage direct response to, to get a return on, on investment, your ad spending. I could talk about direct mail forever, um, because I love it. It's just been a really fun journey. Um, I get to work with machine learning and smartest PhDs in data science. I get to work with structural data engineers. I get to work with world-class storytellers and brand builders that are telling our story. I get to work with services teams that are getting to know thousands and thousands of, of brands as we onboard and work with them. Um, and, uh, and, and so building a business is, is challenging and running marketing operations is challenging. Um, keeping the big picture, um, you know, front and center, I think is, is, um, is really valuable. Word. Well, if people want to learn more about Posty, about you, uh, what digital coordinates can we share with people that want to learn more? Yeah. So, um, you definitely can visit uh, our brand site on LinkedIn. Um, you can visit me on LinkedIn. It's, um, and, and I'm Dave Fink, and um, and then you can certainly reach me via email, uh, Dave at Posty.com. Beautiful. We're going to link that in the show notes. It's in the app. We're probably listening to this right now. 
or at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast for every single episode of the show. Before I let you go, Dave, I'd like to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge to the audience. Yeah. So those who know me uh, know I have a fairly obsessive mind. um, And when it comes to hobbies and the little bit of distraction I get away from family and work, um, uh, you know, having um, a a hobby is, you know, is, is incredibly valuable. And so um, I could go through 10 years of hobbies, um, depending on the year, they're very different, but I I would highly, um, encourage those who are kind of knee deep in, in the day in and day outs of, of life and work and family to, to, to re reinvent themselves in, 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 um, in new hobbies. I dig that. Want to sling any arrows, make any enemies, call out any hobbies as BS? As part of BS? Any, you want to you want to call it any hobbies as BS? Um, I don't. I, no, I would never do that. Who am I to judge? <laughs> All right. Well, worth worth a shot. No, I uh, I agree. Whatever whatever floats your boat. Uh, I guess that was a good one for you. Um, <laughs> is a is a, a worthy hobby. Get some time away. Get see some perspective. Um, Dave, thank you for giving so much perspective to us and for taking some time to be on the show. For sure, my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We just went deep with Dave Fink. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. If you enjoyed this conversation with Dave, then you need to hit subscribe because there's a lot more great episodes coming soon. And we have a big back catalog where we discuss all types of different marketing, entrepreneurial ventures, and business models. You might enjoy a past interview with John Shanahan, who is not only the co-founder and CMO of Strix, but also a wildly successful YouTuber with his channel, The Cavalier. Gonna link that in the show notes. If you want other recommendations, find me on Twitter, find me on LinkedIn. I'm friendly. Hope we can talk. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.